that will be a recurring dream until I go and achieve my purpose, which is helping other people not make the same mistake that I made. Welcome back to another episode of Champion School. Say what? We've been on <laughs> vacation. Uh, we are both back. I was uh, in Yosemite uh, in Big Bear, and we'll get into that in a little bit. And uh, Mr. Byer here was in Mexico, and so just enjoying the sun. So uh, we're back, though, and fired up to be here. So Busy B, how you doing? And let's go, baby. Doing great. Great trips, Ray. Pumped to see you again, man. This is great. You got the strike zone on. Shout out Farmington. Uh, ready to rock, baby. Uh, now everything's been good, man. The Dodgers lost, which is a good sign. Sorry about it. But <laughs> other than that, man, we're looking forward to the World Series. Yeah, no one's more excited about that Dodgers loss than I am. Tell you what. So, <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, this today on today's episode, we have an older uh, interview that we completely missed trying to edit with Paul Klingon. Uh, he's a friend of, friend of Jared Perkins. Uh, dude is a, a fitness beast, a uh, life coach, lifestyle coach is, has made basically gone from one business and, and, and transitioned into the same business, new, new title. So uh, great interview later, but uh, for now, let's get into the good news of the week. Good news of the week. So I guess we just, I, for me, I just wanted to touch on the trips. Uh, for me, number one, Joe Mack, my b- younger brother, is officially engaged. Yes. Let's go, Joe Mack. Shout out, Joe Mack. Tori, let's go, man. That's right. Um, Tori Williams, actually, one of our uh, older guests on this show. She was a physical therapist, and my brother's now engaged to her. So, um, yeah, it was awesome. Uh, we went up to Yosemite, and Yosemite was the first time I'd ever been, uh, is much, much larger than I had ever imagined. So, uh, we go on the trip, go see tunnel view the first day, do a little hike, whatever day two is supposed to be the day. Right. And, uh, Joe's got the, the ring and a big old box in his pocket. And, uh, we set out super early for this hike. It's supposed to be literally like a two mile round tripper, like up to a waterfall proposed back down in two hours. We get, bro, we get an, a mile up there and it goes, it says it's closed. The only way up to this waterfall is a two and a half mile detour. Oh, no. <laughs> so by the time we got back, it was like seven mile total uh, and much, much more rigorous than we had expected. But um, it went off without a hitch, man. It was, it was really cool. Got some great shots. She said yes. So all, all is well <laughs> there. Um, but that was my first touch on good news of the week. Uh, bouncing back to you. What, what, break down that trip a little bit for you for us i know mexico is uh it was, it was a little bit tough with your travel plans right before that i know you were a little shaky on trying to get get out of the country but break it down for us yeah well one i'm glad tori said yes shout out tori let's go <laughs> <laughs> so i saw the instagram post and i was pumped man i know joe mack had to been freaking heartbeating rolling up there uh, so that's good man and so yeah for us we were in so we were in lake tahoe we did our leadership retreat 
And we had that on a Friday and then stayed the weekend, saw Nevada Saturday, did a little thing with Lassen Monday. And then we were supposed to leave Tuesday and come home, fly home. My fiance flew up for the weekend, like kind of last minute spontaneous to spend that Friday, Saturday, leave Sunday. And it was in the middle of this whole debacle with the airlines. And so there's, they're all saying there's weather and there's this, which is total BS. And canceled flight Sunday, canceled flight Monday, then ours gets canceled Tuesday. And we're like, what do we do? Like, we have to be in Mexico Wednesday. At, we have to be at the airport in Arizona at 9 a.m. on Wednesday. It's Monday. We have no idea how we're getting back home. And it's 11 or 12 hour drive. So thankfully, we rented a car there in Reno and, and just drove the trek home 11, 12 hours back home. So longer drive than expected. Wild. It was Lexi's first trip from Reno to Arizona or anywhere in that span. And uh, it definitely did not live up to the hype as usual. <laughs> <laughs> so that was fun. But we got out to Mexico, man. And the best part was just taking time off the phone. I think you hit on it off air a couple of days ago, like just being able to put the phone away for eight hours kind of just chill for a little bit, not be on social media consistently, not be um, constantly thinking about what's next and just taking some time out. It was the first time I really haven't thought about everything that we're trying to do for a couple of days in a row. It was awesome. So it was just a good mm-hmm. reset to be able to refresh and come back. And a lot of sun, man. I got the, the sun on me. I got burnt <laughs> hardcore. They definitely crisp, crispened up my feet. So it was a lot of fun, man. love Mexico. Yeah, dude, your your whole journey and, and that trip from Reno to to Phoenix looks no very similar to the Sahara Desert for about for about I don't know eight yeah. hours. <clears throat> so yeah. yeah, tough on you guys, but glad you guys made it. And uh, yeah, the, same for me. You know, as far as the airplane mode on eight to ten hours a day for those two days that were out in Yosemite, so really good. Um, the other, the other thing, I guess, good news of the week, we can jump into last one, uh, the Spartan race. I did a Spartan yes. race, 10K. We'd been talking about it. I finished uh, three hours and 11 minutes. So I was a little bit worried. Not going to lie. Uh, my wife, so, so we both finished same time, three hours and 11 minutes. I had failed five obstacles, which basically penalizes you. My wife only failed two. Shocker. Yeah, and, not shocked. <laughs> no. And and so they tell you at the end of the race, like where you finished, right? Uh, accordingly with everybody in your age group and your overall. And for me, my overall, I was in the top. I was right at the 25% mark or 30%, right in the top 30, which is great, right? 400 something out of 1600. Well, she was like 60th out of, you know, three or 400 women that did it. And she was waiting what? for me. <laughs> oh, oh, she yeah. could have gotten top 20, dude. That's what I'm she saying. was really trying. <laughs> yeah. She only failed two. And, and each time she was like, okay, like one of the times she walked with me during my like penalty loop. And I was like, you don't need to come here. Like you made it across your thing. <laughs> so I don't know. It was a good time. Uh, we finished, got, got a little medal, which is pretty sweet. And uh, yeah. How was the trying. rope climb? How was the, cause I know Adam, when we were in a uh, farm, so uh, Hey, he gave you the, the one, two, the wrap around the feet. How was the, yeah. the rope climb? So rope climb, I was stressing just because of the location of it. It was five to five and a half miles into the race before you'd actually even get on the rope. So you're gassed, right? And we'd been going up and down hills the whole time. So I get there, Eva does it. And she's just, I mean, she's all upper bodies and just can just muscle it even <laughs> with that much, you know, time running or whatever. So that's not my method. I had to go with my boy, Adam. And uh, <laughs> he had showed me, right? You stick your knee on the outside of the rope. You keep your ankle inside of the rope. You just kind of crunch your knees up to your chest and then you just lock that bottom foot in and then you just kind of stand up and then you walk it up, walk your hands up, repeat. And 
dude, I nailed it. And without his help, I would not have gotten up that. And it would have cost me 30 burpees, which would have been miserable. So uh, shouts out to Adam and Strike Zone Athletics. And uh, yeah, that it was awesome. If you can ever climb a rope, get out there and try it because it's it's not as easy as it looks. But no, it doesn't look the the picture that you posted on Twitter fired me up. I don't know what it was. It was <clears> hilarious, <throat> but it's just you in the mud, like water <laughs> dripping down, like ultimate warrior mode. You should have had like some commando, like black <laughs> scar right there. Like it was hilarious, man. But it looked like it was a ringer of an exercise. It looked fun though. It looked like a lot. Of fun. Oh, it was it was a blast. It was a blast. I'll do it again for sure. We need to get you and Lex out there. Next uh, year, uh, the Lex is going to be a hard one to, to persuade. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get you guys in. Uh, I told Joe and Tori because the trifecta or whatever is when you do the the sprint, which is like the three k uh, or five k, the super, which is ten k, and then the beast, which is twenty one k. So you got to join us for the beast. Oh, you can't throw me into the fire, dude. I got to go to the sprint first. Just let Let's me get go. my feet wet. Climbing rock. Cardinal climbing Stadium rocks. has one. <laughs> do they yeah. really? Mm-hmm. That's the one Joe and Tori did. They they did it at Cardinal Stadium. He said it was a million stairs, but it was fun. That's a lot of stairs, man. I'm picturing that. I'm actually going there today for the first time for an actual game, and I'm picturing the stairs from the bottom up. No thanks. No thanks. <laughs> I'm okay. Yeah, but I'll try. You'll make it. You'll make yeah, it. We'll make it. We'll make it happen. <laughs> uh, well, let's jump into this week's end. This week's in uh, plenty to talk about. Uh, as we'd mentioned at the top of the show, the Los Angeles Dodgers are now going to be watching the postseason from the couches. But there are several people that we've talked about, we brought up before the show that have had previous failures. They struggled. And when it came time in the postseason, like fresh slate, right? So if you want to dive into uh, dive into those three players you brought up, uh, and just talk about the way they've kind of shifted their brain and, and allowed them to really be successful in the postseason. 100%, man. So there's uh, – this has probably been the most playoff baseball I've watched in a while. I don't even know why. It's just been the perfect timing. Everything's worked out pretty good. And getting to see it consistently, watching a lot of the Dodgers-Braves series being on the West Coast, and it's local pretty much, and seeing a lot of these guys who have canceled out their regular season have shifted on to the, the postseason and made an impact for their teams has been huge. So a couple ones that I wanted to, to hit on. Number one, I don't know how many people actually like the Astros, but for them to go in there, I think it's worked for them having everybody else against them because they're just this really tight-knit group that just battles together regardless of what people might think of them and they've just dominated so the fact that they keep going into hostile environments and winning unbelievable and they're just boat racing people um, but that's beside the point so Chris Taylor was one and Cody Bellinger was two Freddie Freeman was three I hit on all three it's Chris Taylor terrible end of the season right he was awful at the end of the season he had a pretty decent year overall like over 30. It was brutal going into the playoffs. So for Coach Dave Roberts, right, there's a couple parallels, is Dave Roberts trusts his dudes who have been there. He said in an interview, he said, I trust my guys who have been here before. I'm going to put them in positions to succeed. Right? He's going to ride his dudes out. He's going to trust his guys. So as a coach, as a CEO, as an owner, as a friend, whoever it might be, if you trust your teammates or trust your people and family, they will play better because of that. So Dave Roberts trust in him. Could have easily said, hey, you're not even on the roster. We've got a million all-stars. Pujols is hitting like the fifth dude off the bench. Like 
give me a break. Their team is stacked. And they gave him a chance, and the dude goes off. If they would have won the series, he would have probably been the MVP of the NLCS. Cody Bellinger, we all know he had the worst season in humanity. He hit under 200, right? He was horrible, battling injuries, all this adversity. His swings wasn't on point. Everything, everybody was like, dude, he sucks. Is he over with? He's done. He's overrated. And then he just balls out in the playoffs, fearless, steals all these bases, gets a bunch of big hits in big clutch situations. And he could have easily kept thinking about the regular season in the 162 games that he didn't perform in. Instead, he reset, right, left that where it was and refocused for the playoff time and did his thing out there on the field. So that was really cool to watch. And then Freddie Freeman in the middle of, I believe, the playoffs, the dude struck out like seven times in a row. Like most of us here and parents are like, my son struck out twice. It's the end of the world. <laughs> this dude yeah. struck out seven in a row and it weren't great strikeouts. And then he goes off, hits a couple doubles, couple bombs and finishes the series really, really strong to help his team win a game. The best part about the Freeman thing is it does. You don't always have to have your all-star carry the weight. Rosario steps up all these other dudes, Duvall, dude, Riley. I'm loving Austin Riley at third base for the Braves. Dude, like so many good people and athletes that keep stepping up in positions for others. So there's a lot of good parallels to take from the playoffs. I've learned the most I've probably learned in baseball in the last four or five years since I've been just out of the game a little bit watching this playoffs, this playoff series because of these little things that come up that most people probably just kind of, Hey, whatever, it just goes by the wayside. So seeing a lot of these dudes be able to handle failure and overcome it on the biggest stage when there's 60,000 people yelling at you, either for you or against you and millions others watching on TV and everybody tweeting about it after good or bad, mm -hmm. that is ultimate mental toughness. And I love to see that out of these dudes. And so the other thing I want to add to that, Ray, before we shift is, the consistent routines and habits of these guys. I mean, you see Pollock, he shifts the bat, finds a focal point, breath, gets in. He's had a great postseason, a great year overall. I mean, the dude's killed it. You see Jock Peterson right, going against the old squad, and you see him with a deep exhale, right? You vis like visibly see the deep exhale. You see the Red Sox dudes, Devers, J.D. Martinez, all those guys getting in the box with a consistent routine. And then you shift to the pitching. I really loved watching Logan Webb. The dude was nasty, but – deep breath shoulders are backing up like he's a linebacker and he gets on the mound he just comes at you and shoves last night in the nlcs to win the game you see matzik come in and will smith come in and they maybe threw 30 pitches total in three innings with like six or eight k's and they just came in shoving they said attack mode here it is hit it right that's ultimate confidence when i'm watching a lot of these dudes and so you can see the ones that the moment gets a little too big which is easy right probably would for me too and then you see the ones who say, hey, this is my moment. This is our team's moment. I'm going to own the moment, step in and trust my preparation and the training I've put in for 162 plus games and springs training to go out here. And we deserve to be here. So I'm pumped for the, the World Series, man. I think it's going to be a great one. I really believe it's going seven games, no doubt. And even if it's not going to, they're going to find a way to make it go seven games. Yeah, those two, <laughs> those two lefties at the end of the game were incredible. I mean, mm. like uh, – you, you even see the swings that Mookie Betts, who's one of the best contact hitters in baseball, hands down, like just couldn't touch the ball because that thing was jumping and it's from the left side and it's right down the middle, like legitimately just threw it right down the pipeline, dude, dude. There was no like there wasn't any painting, right? It was like, no. I'm just coming right at you. No, that was big on big. So I, I loved it. I thought it was sweet. And I, I thought the cool thing is the strikeout before that he gets the strikeout. The entire stadium blows up and he just walks around the mound like next next up you know like just 
no celebration, no whatever, just boom, right on the next pitch. So they asked him, Ray, in the in the postgame interview. And this is why I believe if you are a youth athlete listening to this or if you're a parent or coach of youth athletes, they better be on the TV. I ask every single one that I see or, or hear online. I'm like, dude, are you watching the playoffs? And the ones who say no, I don't like watching baseball. I don't like this. Well, I don't always like watching baseball either, but this is the best time to watch it if you're going to watch it. And you can learn so much. The catchers, I mean, the catchers play, unbelievable. The blocks, yeah. the back, everything, dude. And this is where pitchers are the slowest ever. But they said in the interview after the, the woman asked, uh, Matzik was like, hey, what was work? What were you thinking out there? Look at this environment. Look at this thing. He says, look, I was just trying to take a deep breath and get to the next pitch. Take mm -hmm. a deep breath and get to the next pitch. And I'm like, man, like you are speaking our lingo here, but you see it in him. He goes, <sighs> calm, finds his focal point. Then he goes back and he crushes it. Consistent routine. I'm like, man, this is so good. So um, that was huge, man. Fired me up. Yeah, it's uh, overall, I'm excited for the World Series. No doubt. Much more excited mm -hmm. now that the Dodgers aren't in it, but <laughs> hey, it is what it is. So uh, this week's interview, Paul Klein, uh again, friend of Jared Perkins and the dude is an animal. Like, I don't know how tall he is. He's a former catcher, but he, he doesn't look super tall, but he's shredded. If you, if you check this guy's, check this guy's Instagram out and we'll plug it, but um, yeah, really good interview. And, and the fitness and, and mindset coaching that he does is, is pretty cool, man. He's, he's got his own old method, the E4 method it's coming along and uh, he looks like he, they're starting to take off. So uh, what'd you think about uh, having Paul on? It was awesome, man. It, it's it's so cool to just have really cool people be connected out of nowhere. You know, it was just kind of random. He was living in San Diego for a while. You were living in San Diego for a while. Like just all these different parallels that we kind of connect the dots through baseball. And then hearing his story from college sports and then why he left the sports, which I won't give you the reason, but you got to listen to the interview. It's a really cool story about some of the things that he battled mentally, emotionally, and even physically in college that have helped propel him into this next opportunity in his own life coaching that he's doing. But uh, you are right, Ray. He is shred city. I need that <laughs> diet plan or whatever, man, because uh, I got a little extra LBs over here after <laughs> all you can eat. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you're in the same body type as, as Paul, but <laughs> no, what kind of percentage do you need? What kind of body fat percentage? He's got to be like 2%. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it. But hey, great dude. And uh, we're excited for you guys to enjoy this interview. Uh, what is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Champion School. I'm fired up here. I'm Austin Byler. We got Ray McIntyre across the screen. And our special guest today, Paul Klingen, um, does a lot of really good stuff for not only current athletes, but former athletes. Um, has an awesome podcast that he's rocking. and He's doing a lot of great things, man, spreading the positive vibes. And we're excited to dive into your story, Paul. But first and foremost, how are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm super pumped to be on this. I'm already like, I feel the, the good energy. So this is going to be probably the fastest, <laughs> most in flow in the zone hour of my day, which is like the best conversations you can have. So it's always fun to connect with guys like you, where it's just like, you can tell right away the alignment's there and uh, excited to share, you know, my story and, and bring value to the listeners and your audience. It's going to be fun. 
we're fired up, man. And, and researching a little bit about your story, a little background, uh, one of our new teammates, Jared Perkins, reached out to you, I believe, last week and, and got this all set up and organized, which was awesome. Shout out, Jay Perk, killing it. And we're huge on the mental health and sports and mindset and, and different things along those sorts and, and sharing our story. So kind of want to dive into your story, man. You have a very unique story. I watched the YouTube video. It was very powerful, very moving. We'll, we'll tag that in the clip on our YouTube and all the other channels, too, so you can go back and watch that at a later time just to get a better idea of who Paul is. Uh, but what is your story, man? Take us through that journey going into collegiate sports. I'm um, playing at Wazoo and everything that you went through. Um, just kind of take us through that journey, man. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like a lot of athletes growing up, I was a 90s kid. And so born in 91. And I just remember being in the cul-de-sac every single day. Like after school, you're in the cul-de-sac, you're playing tennis ball, baseball, right? The, the, the roofs are home runs. You hit it on the upper deck, right? Is the, is like the second story of the house. And so we're just, we're playing baseball. Like that's what we would do every single day. We play for hours. I got some buddies, still friends with us. We'll go golfing now. And like, that's what we would do. And I like some of like the, like my peak, not a peak baseball moments, but like biggest memories, are like being six years old and playing with these like 12 year olds. And they're like, all right, bottom of the ninth, you know, two outs. Like, what's Klingon going to do, right? And I just rocketed off the, his mom's window on the upper deck. And like, <laughs> like, 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 why do I remember Sorry that? Sorry about it. Now, yeah, 18 years later. Uh, but I think that's like where it all started, right? And from there, you know, you play uh, select baseball, travel team, traveling all over, playing God, probably 100 games a year, it seemed like. And then high school, I was fortunate enough to play varsity all four years. Was a catcher, which I quickly learned the value of supply and demand. And there was really no one at the high school level that was able to handle a staff. And so they're like, Paul, you can figure this out. Job's yours. Figured it out, played all four years. Uh, and then was fortunate enough to play at Washington State, which is where um, I played my, my D1 baseball. And I was looking through some names that, like, of guys I played with just because I was, I was working out with a buddy yesterday. I was like, Marcus Simeon. Steven Piscotti, like these are names that were like popping up. I was like, I played against those guys like Cal and Stanford. Uh, I remember playing against Trevor Bauer, Garrett Cole. Like I remember like Cole throwing whatever 101 mile hour fastball. Like the, the scoreboard just says one. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that, that was not one mile an hour. That yep. was, guys are coming in. They're like, yeah, that was fast. Um, you know, Trevor Bauer. I forget who they're. They're they're like a lefty, the guy that they played that that year. But anyway, so like that's that's like the, the era that i played in in the guys remember playing against but when i got to college there was like a very distinct like difference in just energy approach the, obviously our guys are so much more talented i'm 18 years old guys are 22 i swear there's some like 26 year olds that were just like yeah. full-grown men on the team it wasn't quite like a byu situation but there's just like this huge gap and because i grew up an athlete my whole life it always came easy to me. And I had this like kind of looking back now, it was really an ego where people would say, Oh, you're so talented. You don't need to X. You're so mm. smart. You don't need to study. You're so, you know, insert whatever you don't need to. And so then it creates, I mean, when you're a kid, you're super impressionable. I can get away with not working as hard as other people because God beamed me down from the heavens to be the next Mike Trout. Mm -hmm obviously that's not the case. Right. Yeah. And 
that getting to getting to the collegiate level and realizing that was like, oh wow, like I'm smaller, they're bigger, faster, stronger, and they've got this work ethic. Like I remember the first the first week in the weight room was a great example. I'd never done barbell work. And so we're learning how to like power clean. The first week after training at 6 a.m., I threw up every single day. And it wasn't that like they were doing like crazy conditioning. It was like my body had never been stressed to that level. Charles, so like, what, like, where am I? <laughs> <laughs> this is the scariest thing ever. And then, you know, obviously that leads to like this huge fear of, of going into the weight room and, and whatnot. Obviously, I got over it. Um, but like looking back, the, the things that I remember being these like huge mental hurdles for me were one ego and, and being like, Oh, like, I don't need to go early and hit. Like, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll show up. Right. Uh, what, what is it? A uh, show and go, right. I'm just going to show and go. We're going to have a good practice show and go right? vision one pack 10 level. Like that doesn't play, uh, especially when you're a freshman, sophomore and, and not God's gift to the earth. Um, another one was, and then this was a big one is just performance anxiety. And it's, it's, mm. it stems from not being prepared, but going into the batter's box and they're like, all right, for this drill, we're hitting ground ball second base so that the guys can work on these, 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 these things. And it's like, wait, like I need to perform. Like I need to hit a ground ball to second base. Otherwise no one can do what they need to do. And I look bad. And mm. so it, what I look back now, it's like, it was a lack of preparation and being able to feel really comfortable in that. But then that led to this, like, oh, I hope that, you know, being in, in the on deck circle and hoping that the guy in front of me hit into a double break, so practice would be over. And I didn't have to then go into that or sitting in the dugout. And my, my thing was like, I was a good defensive catcher. Like I would come in, like it was weird. I would come in in the ninth inning in a three, two game at Oregon with the closer and it was like this like defensive upgrade for like the most pressure situation. So I'd sit for eight innings in the bullpen and then I'd come into the game, which like is, is weird. You don't, you never, you don't see that at, at the big league level. Maybe you see it at lower levels, but it's like, that was my role. So I played probably 60% of the games in that role. And one of the guys that, that I would come in and catch was Adam Conley. He went to play for the Marlins for three, four years at the big league level, left these for like 96 or whatever. But mm, yeah, that like that in that situation even right there was like super stressful because i'm like like i gotta go into this pressure pack moment and just ramp from sitting on the bench super cold to like all right now i'm in charge of the game and i remember sitting in the bullpen being like all right it's a tight game like this guy hits a bomb for cal like i don't have to go in and i can just go home and like eat lunch like looking back now like i, I want to like slap myself in the face but like that was the, the situation that I got to it was just like really bad performance anxiety, um, which led to a lot of negative self-talk, which was, I would say is like the third thing that really played a role. And then, yeah, like the ego and just thinking like, I, I, I can get away with it. Like I'm different. And so after my sophomore year, I'd allowed myself to get to this place mentally to where I was just like, all right, juices and work the squeeze. And the coach was like, all right, we're sending you to Calgary kind of went into like the meeting for the end of year recap. And I was like, you know, like I think I've done, I don't want to go play summer ball. I'm sure you guys know the story of summer ball. Like, I spent <laughs> yeah. a summer in, in Springfield, Illinois. Yeah. 
riding buses <clears throat> for seven hours to Gary, Indiana, and <laughs> like the middle of Kansas City, or not, not even Kansas City. That would be an actual city. We'd never go to city. <laughs> that'd be a destination uh, at that point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a five-star that's resort, like, man. That's Cancun in uh, <laughs> summer ball, and so I'm like, boy, like I really don't want to do this. And like I remember saying all these things to the coaches, where I was like, I, I the juice isn't worth the squeeze. I've hit my physical, I've hit my ceiling. I don't think I'm going to get any better. So like, what's the point? And I was just like, I just want to have a regular college experience. So it's like play video games and go out on Tuesday night, taco Tuesday and, um, you know, not have 5am calls every single morning. And so that was like my, my college career. And what I talk to a lot of people now is there's this time where athletes, they leave that athlete identity and they like hang up the hat or hang up the cleat or hang up the uniform jersey, whatever it is. And when I left, you don't just quit being an athlete. You lose three things. You lose the camaraderie of a locker room, right? A bunch of people getting after it. And I heard this really cool, um, it's really cool like strategy or concept from when I was, I was listening to Ego is the Enemy. I think it was uh, by Ryan Holiday. He was talking about Frank Shamrock is a UFC veteran who uses plus minus equal. So that's essentially just like having a mentor, having a rival and having someone that you're mentoring. And it's like, when you're in that environment, you have the upperclassmen, you have people who are mentoring you. You have the guy that's the position that you play. That's your equal. You guys, are, you guys compete against each other. Or maybe like you, you one hits three, one hits four. And you guys are trying to see who can hit more bombs in BP. And then you've got the guy that you mentor. Like that's the guy that like you bring up and is your understudy. So I, I, I flip it to call it um, captains, rookies, and rivals, but you lose that when you leave that locker room. And then like you go into regular life, whether that's the, um, you know, the, the workplace, your, your cubicle, your, your hometown, your friend group, like whatever it is, maybe you got some slayers, maybe you got some not so slayers, but it's like you go from having a locker room of everyone is on their grind, trying to get drafted, trying to win a national championship, trying to, you know, get as, as strong as they are. And then like, what's your environment after that? Mm. Um, so you lose that, you lose the structure, right? Every, every athlete that I've ever talked to from a workout standpoint, like, I just want someone to tell me what to do, right? You have a game plan. You walk into the training room. They're like, here's, here's your periodized program for six months. Just yeah. literally lift this weight, this amount of time and you'll, you're good. And so you, you don't have the structure. You don't have a game plan. And when you lack structure, that's like having a bucket with a bunch of holes in it. You're going to lose so much productivity and production because you're, you're leaking everywhere with that lack of structure. And then the third one is just that big mission, purpose, passion, whatever word you want to use for that. Because like I said, when you're an athlete, you've got that Olympics, national championship, all-star, Hall of Fame, like getting drafted, playing D1, like whatever it is, that's your reason we're suffering. And one of my favorite uh, ways to think about passion is that if you look at the Latin, it's passio, and that means to suffer. And so I'll always use this as a visual, like mm. the passion of the Christ, that movie. I don't mm. know if you ever saw it. Oh, yeah. Like, whatever you believe in, I can guarantee you that Jesus is not passionate about being hung on a cross and dying. Like, no one's passionate about that. Yeah. But if you take the lens of, all right, passion is something that is worth suffering for, 5 a.m. is worth suffering for giving up a party is worth suffering for, working out, eating better, training hard, 
six hours of practice, like that's worth suffering for because it's for a bigger mission and bigger purpose. So you lose that. You're not an athlete. And that's what we were talking about off screen where you go from an athlete and having this big dream and vision of making millions of dollars and playing at the highest level. And then what is like this dream and trajectory of 45 degrees. Some people just keep that trajectory and, and instead they, they go do things in a different career and profession and whatnot. But it's like you go from here to then like the goal is to get a promotion. And one of the things I found so frustrating in the workplace, I worked in, in advertising for five years, is Bryce Harper, whenever, however old he was, like when he was in the bigs, like he's this young stud. It doesn't matter how old you are, how much experience you have. It's like, can you deliver? Can you not? And so then going into this work environment where they're like, okay, two years, then you'll get promoted. Then another mm. two years, then you'll get another promotion mm -hmm. and then another two years and then you'll get a promotion. And I'm like, is this literally just like who can live the longest is the one that'll like be the most successful <laughs> because like that sucks. True. Like why can't it, why can't it be on like the merit of your ability? And obviously I'm, I'm not going to walk into a career and profession. And again, it, this is part of the, that thought process of just naturally being so much more gifted than the creative director with 10 years experience still working with Nike why would I come in and just be better than him? Um, but that was really like my athlete journey. And then after I, I quit is what I really call like the halftime hangover where it's like your the first half of your life is that athlete life. And then you kind of decide. And for me, it took however long, seven, eight years to figure this out. But it's like, what is your big mission, purpose, passion, like arena after that? Because you have a whole second half of life that's even longer than the first half. But just because you're, you're not in a team sport environment or an individual sport environment, right? You go from one arena, you have however long it takes you to figure out what your next thing is. You guys like doing this podcast, like that's your new arena. So how, does, how do you get someone to get into that next arena to where now they have a big purpose, a big dream, a big vision, and allow fitness and your health and your body and your vessel to be like the thing that you use to amplify whatever that is. Like if I'm, if I'm in the, if I'm in the weight room doing a power clean, it's not so I can power clean more weight. It's so that I can have more power so that I can express more force into the baseball so that it goes further so that it scores more runs so that we win more games so that we win the championship so that I get drafted. Like that's what it amplifies. So everyone who just goes one layer with, with fitness and they're like, I want to lose weight. Well, it's like, well, why do you want to lose weight? What's the bigger purpose that that's going to amplify? If you lose 20 pounds, does that give you more energy at work, which helps you be more focused, increase productivity 30% as a sales rep. Now you get promoted. Now you buy that house. Now your kids don't have to go to school in like terrible neighborhood. Like that's why you want to lose 20 pounds. That's why you want to power clean and wake up at 5 a.m. I've, I've talked for a long time, so I'll... Oh, no, I'll you're good, man. Keep it rolling. Yeah, we dude. love we're, it, man. I'm, we're taking so... I'm taking so many notes. I don't know about Bob, but it literally just not even to ask you more questions, but for us to use. Like, the halftime hangover idea mm -hmm. is such a real thing. I mean, I'm so 30. Good. I'm same age as you. And and my experience didn't come until COVID hit, right? Like, I when I finally left baseball, I'd coached and, and done that at different schools for so long that when baseball was over for me, I didn't know what to do, right? I was sitting on... I was working at a... Um, 
a golf course mowing greens and you're right, man. Like when you look around and like the motivation of like the average athlete versus the motivation of what you would say a typical, you know, nine to fiver, uh, you know, at a low level job, it's crazy. So, um, no, I'm with that. Absolutely. I think everything you're saying is on point. My question for you, I guess would be what was, um, what was the, I guess the final straw for you as an athlete at school? Um, I as well went through some of the anxiety and stuff. Um, I don't know what I would have done if I'd left, you know, left sports. So for you, what was the, the final straw for that? And then what was it like for those two years? Like afterwards, did you stay at Wazoo? Uh, give us that little window of time. Yeah, that's a really good question. It wasn't like a specific moment that broke the camel's back, but it was, it was, I remember a specific practice where it was going into the season and I don't know if either of you guys are lefty or if you ever face those little like sidearm lefty. I'm a left-handed hitter and I hate the left-handed pooslinger <laughs> is my least favorite. Like I'll take the 95 left-handed arm over the 82 pooslinging lefty that's just flipping <laughs> curveballs. <laughs> yeah. So the, the, for me, the area where like it first started was it was like, all right, Paul, you're going to start at Cal uh, Bakersfield or, or somewhere. This was the first series of the season. And I was just like doing a bullpen for this poo slinger and like nice guy, but like, just like one of those hard guys to like pick up in a cage and whatever, just like I missed like a slider passball is what it would have been in a game. And I remember the, the pitching coach getting super upset and I didn't play that entire next weekend. And so like the freshman underneath me started and I was like, damn, I was like, that really it? Was it like, they were like, all right, you lost your focus. Like they have no faith in you. And like, that's like a good example of the negative self-talk where I was like, I don't know what happened, but I'm just going to spin this huge web of whatever that for the entire rest of the season, like I just allowed myself to get less and less confident because of that. And so having this, uh, there's like I said, a freshman underneath me, he had a, a great skill set ended up getting drafted by the Yankees, but I would get super frustrated because I was like, okay, defensively, I know I'm better. And so there's this combination of ego being like, what do the coaches know? And then also like, what's the point, right? And that's that's a really frustrating point. They're really a dangerous place to get to. Like, what's the point? Like living your dreams is always worth it. But in my head, it was like, oh, it's not worth it trying to, to hit better this guy's faster than me. So that'll never change. And I can't do anything about it. And so like that built up over the year and it eventually got to a point where I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to beat this guy out, hit my ceiling. So why would I stay for another two years to sit in the bullpen and never like play anymore? Like I get so mad at myself to say like, what, like you hit your physical ceiling now being 30 in the best shape of my life. And I've taken like a periodized training approach and like actually followed programs for the last two years, like even less than that. And like, boy, what could I have done at 19, 20 years old had I yeah. applied that mindset? Like I want to go and like take this brain and like stuff it inside 19 year old Paul and be like, you will not quit until someone, and there's always like a balance to this. Like you don't want to, you don't want to be 35 point independent ball being like, I'm going to make it. Um, yeah. so like play till they t play till they, they make you quit. And 
you know, I quit before I could even get close to that situation. And so that for me was like, if you asked about a specific point that broke the camel's back, I'd say that was the, the specific one that really fractured the integrity of the structure. So then the next two years, this is a funny combination. It was, so I grew up my whole life drinking, drinking Pepsi. Like I would finish basketball practice Mountain Dew. My dad worked for Pepsi for 26 years. So we grew up on mug root beer, Sierra Mist, like just like the worst stuff. Not bad though. (laughs) Childhood wise, I'm kind of jealous. (laughs) Yeah, childhood is great. But like, this is, this is when like Pizza Hut and, and, and Pepsi were like peak, 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 peak. But it's the day I quit was the day I stopped drinking pop because I was, I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta clean it up. I can't let myself go. And so I, I started just like running a ton, working out. I was like, it's like the one thing is I'm not gonna let myself go. And the, the, my junior year, I worked in the athletic department and you like kind of leverage that connection to be like a reporter for the basketball team, rowing, uh, football and, and working in that. Cause I still wanted to be close to it. And then funny enough, senior year, I announced the baseball games. So I would like get on the mic and be like now batting number 42, you know, like Jackie Robinson, obviously not. <laughs> that, yeah. that's, uh, that's, that's what I would do. And so like, I would be on the field every day. And it was kind of this weird thing where like I'm going and interacting with these guys who I would have been playing with and like, coaching staff and I'm like, what's up, Paul? How's it going? And looking back now, I'm just like, you're such a bum, dude. <laughs> Why would you do that? Like, uh, whatever. You're, I was in college. And so I, I look back and, it, for now, it was just like the, the lesson that I had to, to learn. And, and that's why, and you watch the video and like, that I post on YouTube, like that's why, that's my why. Every, every month, I'd say I have one or two dreams where I'm back in practice, back playing again, back doing something baseball related at Washington State. And I, I don't know if this is the case, but I, I'm like convinced that that will be a recurring dream until I go and achieve my purpose which is helping other people not make the same mistake that I made. Mm, right. I and that's it. at the high school level, the college level, the life level, wherever to where it's like, like don't ever quit. And it, it's hard to know had I known what I was dealing with, what I've gotten help. We worked with Brian Kane, who's a, a mental performance coach my sophomore year. But this, one of the things he talks about is, is awareness, strategy, action. So as soon as you're aware of a problem, then you create a strategy for it. Then you act on that strategy. I didn't even realize I had performance anxiety. Uh, I had Victoria Garrick on my podcast. She's really big into mental health, Uh, played volleyball at USC, but she's mentioned that she experienced that when they were winning national championships. She's like, wow, that's the exact word of what I was doing. And it took me being 29 years old to realize that's what I was experiencing. It took me reading ego is the enemy by Ryan holiday to realize, Oh dude, you had this huge ego, even though you're super insecure in that situation to go and actually like get better. Oh, you had all these negative self-talk loops that you didn't have journaling and meditation and, and coaching and mentoring practices to get out of. And it's like, if that was more accessible, more available, would I have gotten out of the, the mental loops that I was in at the college level? I hope so. I definitely think so. I, I know if I put my brain into like I said, 20 year old Paul, it would be a completely different outcome, but like, that's, that's why I do what I do. And that's why I'm so passionate about it. And it's it kind of chilling. The, the last dream that I had, I was hitting, they were doing like side toss. And I hit a couple ground balls to short and I like, come on playing like figure it out. 
And then as we were walking from the, um, the batting cages to the dugout, this coach pulled up right beside me. I'd never seen this coach, but it was like very clear, like his face. And he said to me, he's like, that's great that you've got the health and fitness stuff figured out and that you're doing it for yourself. When are you going to be a leader? And like in the dream, I was supposed to be like a junior. Like I could tell I was now an upperclassman. He's like, that's great. You can do it for yourself. When are you going to lead other people? And so now I'm just like, <laughs> it's not that I'm cursed, but it's like, I have no other choice. The bridge is burnt and this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. That's so powerful. It's so Legendary. powerful. I love the vision too, like the vision. And I think everybody gets visions in different ways. Um, I'm going to circle back to the identity piece in a minute, but a couple of things that I wrote down, the one that you, you mentioned was the performance anxiety coming from a lack of preparation. I think a lot of athletes out there, coaches out there, families, there's, there's a lot of parents that listen into this of athletes who are struggling with these same things. We get questions almost every day on how do I overcome some of these things? How do I stay confident? How do I do this, this, or this? And it all stems down to your preparation how well are you preparing what are you doing mind body wise to get yourself ready you mentioned the med the meditation the journaling we're huge on the journaling right and just being more self-aware of who you are and, and really what your purpose is but your why is so powerful man and that's what i think is driving you to this next purpose to be that leader that you mentioned i want to circle back though to the identity piece i'm huge on identity ray he's been in this for a while right he, he had the same thing uh, last year with with leaving uh, San Diego to come out and, and take a new kind of leap of faith. And then for me, same thing. I lost my identity through sports and that's our goal. That's our purpose is to make sure that nobody finds their value in just what they do, but who they are as a human being and how they show up in the world daily, right? Daily. And so for you, what is your best advice for somebody out there who is struggling to find their identity? And this might even be for a professional athlete who's like, man, when that hat goes off of, Hey, athlete mode or, all American mode or hall of fame mode. I put this hat up. Now I feel worthless. Now I feel like my purpose is gone. I don't know what else I can work for. And then you mentioned this, the, uh, the, um, what's it called? The business world, right? The business, same thing here. I went into the business world. I'm like, wait, I need to wait five years before I move up to a, a C-level position. Like <laughs> I'm better than all of you. Right? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I got this confidence. Right? I got, again. Oh yeah. The ego struck me again. It was like, choo, choo, right. These lightning bolts right in my face. Like, Hey, surrender your ego a little bit. What best advice do you have for any athlete, parent, coach, businessman, or woman who's out there and they're finding their identity in the things that they're doing and not in who they are as a person and, and those proactive steps that you talked about to live your best, most fulfilling life? Yeah, I'll, I'll start with the, the specific exercise that I've done and I think works really well. And then I'll go into like how I was able to get to that point. It does take time. You can't just like, sit down for five minutes and be like, Oh, these are my core values. <laughs> yeah. But I think everyone thinks that they're chasing a situation or a destination. One of the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten is that you're chasing a feeling, not a specific destination. Mm. So the feeling that you get from being an athlete is what you want. You don't necessarily need to have like a bat in your hands. It could be a pen in your hands, but the feeling that you get is the, is what you want to find again. So for me, I love competition. I'm huge on integrity. I'm huge on bias for action. Um, and then there's a fourth one that I need to remember, but it's basically like, these are the things that are big to me. How can I go and find that in other areas? And I have that in baseball where, how can I find that where I'm being a leader and leading through integrity? 
I'm, I'm, I had bias reactions and I took from when I worked at Amazon. That was one of their leadership principles. And I, just, I always loved that one because one of the biggest problems that you can run into is just not taking action. I, I was using this, this metaphor uh, the other day where it's like the lion's coming. It's 40 yards out. And you're like, man, I need to move. And then you're like, but I got time. And then that lion creeps it's 30 yards out. And you're like, gotta go. But I got a little more time. I'm good. And then it's 20 yards out and you're like, getting close but i can i can i can hang on and then all of a sudden it's on top of you it's like you just gotta like as soon as you recognize that there could be a potential problem you got to go and do it rather than than waiting now obviously understanding who you are and having an under like a, a deep understanding and connection with yourself awareness is the other one duh uh, mm-hmm. it's just like always being aware of and self-aware of who you are but for me the big catalyst for that was i had a, a friend who took me to a yoga class. And initially I was like, yoga is dumb. Why would I go to a yoga class? And he's like, there's tons of babes there. I was like, all right, I'm in. We're going to yoga <laughs> class. Awesome. It ended up being a, a core power sculpt class, which is more like, you know, like how, how much can you sweat and how sore can you be the day after? A couple down dogs is really all that's <laughs> in it. And 40 minutes into this hour long class, I'm like about to die on the mat. And I'm like, I'm either going to die on the mat or walk out of here, which one's more embarrassing. I chose to die on the mat, but then they like created this, like, I need to go master yoga as if you can go master something like that. Uh, but it, what it did is for oh, like a year, I'd say I was big into going to yoga class that really opened me up to meditating. But what it forced me to do is slow down. It forced me to look in the mirror on Saturday morning after drinking all night Friday and being hung over at 10 a.m. And like, dude, who are you? Like, what are you about? And so if you can create this container, and one thing I'll, I'll give my credit self, myself credit for is I traveled a lot in my, my mid-20s. So like abroad by myself. And so I think that in combination with yoga, like it allowed me to like slow down. And if you slow down, you can hear quieter noises. And if you can hear those quieter noises, those are really going to be the voices inside of you that are saying like, Hey, here's your purpose. Here's what you're meant to do. Here's what your core values are. Here's what you believe in. Here's what you'll, well, here's what is your true self when you're able to operate uh, with your own autonomy and not because your friends say so, or because society says so. And so just being in that container long enough to be able to understand like, this is, you know, something I'm super passionate about. This is my purpose. This is my mission. Then from there, you can say, okay, this is how I'm going to orchestrate and live my life. And then that, again, you're not looking for a specific destination. You're looking for a feeling. Everyone's like, oh, I want to live in a house on the beach. Well, what does living in a house on the beach give you? Does it connect you with nature? Does it make you feel free? Does it make you feel relaxed? That's what you're chasing. You're not chasing the house on the beach. (laughs) Would that be great? Yeah. But Uh, if that, (laughs) but if, if, can you find that in, you know, uh, a cabin in Wyoming? I'm going to Jackson mm-hmm. Hole this weekend. It's like, Let's okay, go. yeah, like now, you, now you've got that feeling that you've always wanted. So just because you're not an athlete anymore, how can you get that same feeling of, of competition, of, you know, hard work, of leading? Because that you can find that in a different arena. It just it skins differently. So good. So good. I, I love the chasing the feeling, right? Chasing the feeling. Because you mentioned something. I, one of the, my dreams, right? My visions as a young uh, kid was to have 
a house on the beach. It's crazy that you said that. I always wanted a house on the beach in San Diego, right where of you're course. at right now, yeah. man. I'm like, man. I've got the, I've got the, the same beach. I've got the same vision. So we're going to be either neighbors or uh, one of them. One of us will, will steal it from the other person in a big way. <laughs> I'll Airbnb it to you and you can Airbnb it to me. We'll just, man, that's just what we got to do. We got to go Airbnb and we'll just have it. Yeah, we'll um, exactly. So I, I love the, the fact of, hey, I can find that beach feeling in Wyoming, in Kansas, in Florida, or wherever else I'm going and traveling to. And it's really just that feeling that you get. And I, I love that fact of just being able to connect yourself to nature too, and traveling and getting outside of yourself. Um, that is so good. What's travel mean to you? Like, like, how does that work? Are you still traveling? Do you still like to go out and adventure? Do you like to get out into nature? What do you do outside of the peak performance and helping people with the mind body connection? Yeah, I mean, even just being in San Diego, I. In, I turned 30 in January and I was like, Hey, like, you know, life's coming. And I, I use the term punting the thirties, which is what we're doing right mm-hmm. now. Or it's like friends getting married, getting houses and like that's coming. But we're like, we want to go on an adventure. So we moved to a city that we love for three months and we're exploring that. Um, you know, in all, I, I, one of my girl, girlfriend, a girlfriend that I had in college was Swedish. So I would go and explore this entire new culture. Um, I, I have a friend, uh, he actually played at Cal State Fullerton, but he's like 20 years older than me. And we connected on a retreat. I'll drive up to Carlsbad, which is like 30 minutes north, and we'll go do a 10-minute swim in the ocean, no wetsuit or anything, and just like connect with, you know, and slow down and have that. And being in San Diego, it's, it's fun because I'm able to do different things than I would do in Seattle. But like I said prior to the podcast, Seattle's got so much nature around it as well from the Cascades to rainforest, to the ocean, to the beach, to the lakes. There's so many different things that you can do and just connect with nature. But whether it's traveling, and there's definitely a difference between like going to Mykonos and partying yeah. and <laughs> like, like backpacking in a, in a place where it is very quiet. Uh, but at the core of it all is like you are forced to get outside of the environment that keeps you contained into like who you think you are. Right. And so then what happens when you go and interact with someone from Bulgaria and you're traveling and backpacking with someone from Australia is like you're getting this entire new perspective on life. And it was just in Mexico. And like, if that's not a perspective shift as you cross Mm. the border, I don't know what is going to go to El Salvador for the second time uh, this November. If that's not a perspective shift on just like how blessed you are, then what is we think in America a lot of times that we do it the best way well, go to Sweden or Norway and see how they do it, right? And it's not to say that everyone's got it figured out and that one person's better than the other, but there's people all over the world in different cultures, first world, third world, second world. And how, how is it that someone in you know, Thailand is so happy and I'm so upset and I've got more than this? It's, it's not a destination. It's a feeling Oof. that that guy's able to create that I, I got to you know figure out like, what actually is and isn't so good. So good. I, I love traveling too. I love nature. And I feel like I had this conversation with a good buddy a couple of weeks ago and we were talking and he's kind of living the nomadic life. He went and lived in Belize for a little while and he does the entrepreneurial world online. And he said that he feels the most alive when he's on the road, when he's not at his house or wherever his like domain is where he's living at. And so he'll go from 
Illinois down to Arizona to Belize, right, to Florida and all over the country and different countries. And it just gives them this broader perspective and really just how you see the world. There was a really good thing. I posted a video yesterday about George St. Pierre. And he he had this awesome quote from, uh, I think it was five, 10 years ago or so. And he was a UFC champion at the time. And he went out to go train for his uh, upcoming match. And he was living in Canada and wanted to get some alone time, some quiet time. And he said he had this massive house, thousands of square feet, too many bathrooms and bedrooms that any of us can even imagine or fathom. And he said he never felt more lonely in his life living in this massive environment. And so he left, right? He left that big environment to go to a smaller, I don't know how big the house was, but a lot smaller condo because he felt more connected with his family, with the people that he loves. So that's so powerful. Um, Ray, I'll kick it off to you and then we can get into the the game. I never prepped you on the game, Paul, but we're going to get into the game <laughs> soon. Uh, right go ahead, Ray. Yeah, we'll just throw it at him. <laughs> No, just last last question. I guess now that you're in it, just give us a little breakdown on on your company and, and what you got going. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to want the people to know where they can reach you and and kind of the best way to get in touch with what you're doing and teaching. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. The best way to to fuse the two is it's fitness coaching with a lot of life coaching elements. And like I said earlier, like I'm not power cleaning so that I can be a good power cleaner. You're not losing 20 pounds or changing your physique or just creating a healthy lifestyle in general to have a healthy lifestyle. It's so that you can go and amplify a bigger purpose. And the, the four part system that I'll do with people is you've got your physical performance, mental performance, your team, which is where that rookies rivals uh, or captain's rookies rivals comes from. So how can you set it up so that at a, at a daily or at least weekly level, you're investing at different tiers of your team. Right? If you've got a partner, what is that one thing that you're doing for them each day? If you've got you know, a friend you haven't talked to in a while, how can you send three gratitude messages to them right? and create this environment? Because I talked about those three things, three things you lose. You lose structure, camaraderie, and passion. So then that's the fourth part of the system. You have physical performance, mental performance, team, and then your passion. It doesn't have to be like that you're going to quit your nine to five and go start this like crazy job. It doesn't have to be, you know, that you're going to like sacrifice everything and, and do this like crazy thing. But one of the things that I find people give up is just being a kid and playing. And I've, I've had clients where, you know, they're fresh out of college, just left the frat. We're working on this fitness and nutrition stuff, but by giving him permission, and sometimes we got to give ourselves permission too. He loved art. He loved painting. And so I was like, okay, cool. We're going to make that something that you focus on and create a nine day outcome for, for the, for painting. Like you're going to make X amount of murals. You're going to buy a studio, whatever it is. And what we found is that because he had that passion and that purpose that he could leverage against, it changed how he approached his nutrition, his drinking, his training, right. And his time. So it, it can be something as simple as like, when was the last time you threw a football around as your buddy? When was the last time you went and kicked a soccer ball around and just listened to music and just ripped lasers from outside the box? Like, I love doing that. But if you can go and say like, okay, I'm going to go and do these like fun, playful, childlike things and put that on the calendar, that's going to give you something to do with your free time. That's going to give you something to leverage against why you're not going to go and drink till 3 a.m. on Saturday because you got this next big thing on Sunday that you want to achieve. And that could be a side hustle. That could be playing with your kids. That could be being the like absolute best for your date. Or it could be something as simple as throwing the football around, right? But it's like when you have those four things 
and they're at the forefront of your conscious. And like, don't get me wrong, like I'll create a training program for you, create, I'll, we'll coach you through nutrition. But the, the missing piece, especially for athletes, is that team, the investment in the team and the leveling up the environment and having something that's bigger than just trying to lose weight. Because trying to lose weight is not a compelling enough reason. But if you have, you know, this nine to five job that you hate and you want to make a side hustle so that you can quit your job, like that's what it was for me. I was like, I'm done with Amazon. I want to start. And at the time it was down dog athletics, not the elemental coaching project. But I was like, I'm not going to do anything other than grind on this. And I got in the best shape of my life. Why is that? Right. Cause I had a bigger Oof. reason to, to not eat trash and to work out than just doing that. Now, when you're an athlete and that's already at your core, that's not hard. So now all I got to do is give you a very structured scientific program and you're going to just move. So that's what I do. Got a podcast as well. Oh. <laughs> We're going to follow we'll the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we'll put all your links down below. Um, and and expect a call from us because we're looking to expand our team because for real, what you're teaching and talking is so in line with what we kind of believe, but from another you know perspective and a great way of teaching it. And I love the way you talk about developing people around their passions because um, you're right, right? Because like if we're not feeding the why, if we're not feeding all that energy and giving it somewhere to go, we just we're spiraling. We're doing our own thing. So, um, yeah. man. What a great interview so far. Dude, I'm taking so much from it. I mean, I got two things to note. I just put on my third sticky pad. Like I'm just rolling, but it's just these little key nuggets. Right? Like so powerful. I, I love it. being on the same, like same side of the coin as you guys. Like when you're just like, like taking notes and you're like, man, this is so good. Like you want to go in and, and implement and apply it. And really like at the end of the day is like, because we're so connected, this is on my, I, I haven't like experienced, but I've heard from other people talking about um, when like a, a motivational speaker is in a, a, a stadium or whatever, like what, what they're trying to do is they're trying to speak to one specific person. And what people can see and feel is that connection of that one person in the crowd that they are speaking to. And that's what draws them in. Because if a speaker tries to go and give specific examples to everyone, it loses and dilutes that story and that message. But what I'm getting at is like in this podcast, like, like I said earlier, like we have such like a connection, like you, you want to go live mm. in San Diego, like me too, performance <laughs> anxiety, me <Cool>. too. Right. <laughs> and so yeah. like that, like I love being on both sides of the podcast to where they're just like, we're speaking the exact same language. Anyway, side note. So good. So good. <laughs> well, you right. dominated. Are we ready uh, to try out the game? Uh, it's called the on or off it. So it's kind of like buy or sell. Basically, uh, we'll give you a list of, we're going to give you 10 things. We'll go rapid fire. You're going to say on it, you're about it, or off it, not your thing, and, and just give us a quick one sentence as to why. Okay. All right. Number one, snowboarding. Off it. I like skiing. I've uh, had a better experience skiing. Snowboarding. Uh, cats. Love them. I got Luke and Leia, big Star Wars fan. They're two rag dolls, and they are like. That's so I knew we'd get along. I have a cat named Snoopy. <laughs> uh, MMA. On it. And, uh, a month ago, I would have said off it, but I'm actually going to try and get into BJJ when I get back to Seattle. It's, I've never done martial arts, but I want to go and explore something that makes me incredibly uncomfortable, which is fighting, uh, but also like 
You need to record that and put it in a mini series. I think it would be fantastic yes. to follow your yeah. your journey. Um, anyways, the Matrix. <laughs> Off it, and it's my fault because I've never seen it. Oh, okay. All good. <laughs> I've seen I've seen I've seen so many like sci-fi movies. Like, I've seen like I said, I got all my Star Wars guys. I've seen probably five hundred times. I just, for some reason I have not seen the Matrix. That's all good. It's a good one to get into. New movie coming out. We'll talk about that, yeah. that later. Uh, going to museums. On it. it. Slows you down. I like that. Uh, running long distances. On it. Ran a marathon. A uh, couple marathons last summer. Couple. How'd you do? Uh, two fifty-seven. Wow, pretty good. Yeah. I, I'm going into six K. What's the quickest piece of advice for me? Um, is it like tomorrow? It's uh, as far as training. <laughs> I, have, I have about a little over a month for a Spartan race. Okay. Um, vary up the, the speed at which you train. Hills, sprints, long distance, short distance. Everyone just wants to run like that six miles at a consistent pace. You got to vary it and build your engine. Perfect. Um, catchers on one knee. On it. It's why I still have hip mobility. That's what I do. I, I don't get the I don't get the right knee drop. I, I've never understood that. Same. Left knee makes sense because then you can drive off the backside and, and like backdoor people. Great. Uh, but dropping the right knee, I'm like, what? What's the point of that? So I'm sure there's there's some wizard named Yadier Molina that can explain it, <laughs> and he's good at it too. Uh, Panda Express. Off it. Thing. Two more. I, uh, I've, I've loved it. It's just, I'm just trying to, trying to eat, eat healthy, man. Yeah, elite level. I get it. Uh, keeping a clean house. On it. Am I the best at it? No. But my girlfriend crushes at it, and it's an infinite difference when you think about like decision fatigue and just overall energy, like mentally. I agree. Uh, last one. Uh, it's something we're diving into. NFTs. On it. Let's go. You don't even want to get me started. It, it, crypto is going to be what Netflix is. Bingo. We're, Dude, we're going to clip that in 10 years, <laughs> probably like five years, and we're going to throw it out there and say the clinging nugget of the day, baby. It's going to be the Netflix. Gary Vee's obviously all over it, and he, he made a really good point on it. People will spend thousands of dollars on art, put it in their bedroom, and four people will see it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. now I got an NFT that fits wherever that my X amount of followers see it, and it's just as like it's always going to be subjective value. Yeah, right. Like I, I've I've bought I've bought cards, digital cards for FIFA, right? FIFA Ultimate Team. I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys ever play that for Madden or whatever, but oh, yeah. for me that's worth a hundred dollars. Some people would never pay that. I've got this. This is worth. Fifty dollars to me. It's worth nothing to a lot of people. <laughs> yep. But I wouldn't pay anything for a Gucci slipper. My yeah. Girlfriend's like, let's go there. I'm like, no. So whether it's digital or not, like it doesn't matter. It's it's subjective, and everything is going to eventually be built on that technology. And um, it, what's cool is that only four percent of the world's in it. So I, I feel like. Catch that that big wave in bell curve in like ten years. We're still early, buddy. That's yeah. the best part. How many books did you buy? Did you buy Gary Vee books? Uh, I bought 
I listened to one of them. Um, I, I like listening to and, and reading books, but only only one Gary Vee book. His his big thing, his big way to push his book was: you buy a dozen books, he's going to drop you an NFT when it releases. Between oh. Byler and I, we have ninety six of them coming in. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're right in. We sold. <laughs> so if you need a book, we got you. Right? We, Mark, got Mark Cuban had a, a good example of this too, though, where it's like you get like your physical copy of your ticket. And like maybe you keep it, maybe you don't. But if it's the game in which you know someone hits their 500th home run, and now you can like add other NFTs to it, or now you can like trade that. Yeah. Now, like now, that's so much more valuable, and it's a much easier system than like, hey, here's your piece of paper, yada yada. Like, I don't even need to get into like how brutal the banking system is, and why it takes me 17 years to transfer between accounts. But it's like it solves so many problems, mm-hmm. and it's just a matter of not to be like cynical, but like you just, the big banks and the government just gotta shift their hips around so they can get behind it and, and benefit from it. We're gonna have to link up. Go at, follow at Project Sandlot. Do it today. Um, we <laughs> okay. got an NFT coming out, and we're gonna be dropping free ones to people that are following us. So uh, yeah. next two months, be ready. And uh, I need to we'll, figure out how to make them. I didn't dude, you just make them that easy. Fifty hours of research. Get in there. It's, it'll be oh. worth it. <laughs> <Dang>. <laughs> Well, hey, man, Paul, it's been so great uh, having you on again. You very clean. Jared's been such an awesome dude to hook us up because you have been a perfect guest and your story is amazing. And um, mm-hmm. what you're teaching and pressing on on the youth and, and sending it on, I think it's exactly perfect for you and your why. And I think your story and what you've gone through has really gotten you to where you are. So there's nothing to be down about, man. It's a really awesome story and, and appreciate you sharing. Yeah, I appreciate pal. you guys for, for having me on and creating this platform and other platforms to have these conversations because like i said if i would have been able to listen to this podcast 10 years ago maybe i'd still be playing who knows i had all the money for nfts <laughs> that's right and we could all just invest in these things i don't even need to go go through the banking i'm going through the same thing man i need to go on a rant the banking system is screwing me right now i just wanted to get in the club man it. and it won't transfer i'm like come on it's still on yep. hold should have yeah, right? listened when I told you three months ago to do it. I <laughs> ego got in the way, baby. I need to go read Ego is the Enemy Dude, again. The, the last week has been, or the last two weeks has been unreal. Unreal. Wild. Wild. Well, Sweet, thanks again. And, and we'll stay in touch. And uh, again, all of his information on all of his businesses and podcasts and stuff will be in the description below. Make sure you check that out. Paul, hope you have a great yep. day. All right. You too. Take care, fellas. Welcome back. Yeah, that was uh, that was awesome. And for me, when I was listening back to the interview, because I'd been a little bit, um, what stood out to me was just his his like straightforward, honest answers. And even when I talked about, hey, uh, you know, I'm training for the Spartan race. Like, what do I do? He's like, when are you running tomorrow? Like, what's the deal here? So it, he jumped right into like, hey, let's mix up the training, shake it up. But uh, the guy's awesome. So what do you think about the interview? 
Yeah, I took a lot of things out of this, man, especially mentally uh, for my physical stuff, <laughs> being able to push through some different workouts, change it up a little bit. Uh, I really do love his story, though, man. I think just battling that adversity in college to propel him into that next uh, opportunity with his business and then how he's using some of the things that he's learned through sports to help him in the life coaching aspect and how sports teach you so much about life. He's such a great dude, man. He was so genuine, authentic and honest with it. He was just straight up, straight to the point. And I like that, too. And I definitely want to check out more of his coaching methods to see what he's doing because like we've mentioned before he's got he's shredded and he's got some good clients who are getting really good results and that's where mm -hmm. the true testament is is you can do it yourself but when you have clients who are seeing those results that he's having them go through that's awesome so maybe we all got to run a spartan race one of these days and meet up somewhere on the west coast Sweet. and just get after it but i'm gonna definitely follow him and eva <laughs> yeah for real um if you haven't check out Elemental Coaching E4 Fitness uh, is the stuff that he's putting on. His Instagram is pretty popping. So uh, check that out and then get into what he's got because it's all good information. Uh, for us, me, I'm Ray McIntyre. This is BZB Austin Byler once again. Uh, we're back. We're back on the road. So, uh, and we have some great guests coming up. You know, shout out to Perkins, who's really been lining up some of that stuff. Uh, but yeah, we're excited for the future. Yes, sir. Let's so, go. That's it. You guys have a blessed week and we'll see you soon.